Merchant to Merchant is brought to you by Something Digital, a Magento Enterprise and Shopify Plus partner. Something Digital is an award-winning digital agency that will put your e-commerce site to work. Visit them online today at somethingdigital.com slash podcast. Hello and welcome to Merchant to Merchant, a podcast for merchants and by merchants brought to you by Something Digital. I'm your host, Philip Jackson. Today we have uh, someone who's kind of near and dear to our hearts, uh, the Chief Process and Innovation Officer, Jesse Lazarus over at Kravit. Uh, go ahead and say hi to the folks. Uh, hello, everybody. Hi, Philip. And uh, so glad to have you. Uh, we we at Something Digital uh, have uh, been partnered with Kravit over the last year and a half or so, helping them uh, with their digital innovation strategy. And uh, just a real pleasure to have you on the show here today. Thank you for having me. So for people who aren't familiar with Kravit, could you give us a little bit of uh, an in-depth of who you are and what Kravit is and what you guys do uh, and how, how people might be affiliated or, or uh, associated with your brand? Sure. Um, Kravit Inc. is a uh, family-owned, fifth-generation family-owned distributor of home furnishings and textiles to the interior design industry. Uh, majority of our customers are residential interior designers, meaning that they are working on primary, secondary, multiple home projects um, for private clients. We do also deal in the commercial industry, so hospitality, office design, and such. Um, and a small portion of our business is done through furniture uh, manufacturers and retailers as well. Um, we sell under three major brand families. Kravit, uh, is the, is the longest standing. This is our hundredth year anniversary. Um, oh, happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. This, this year is our centennial. Um, and Kravit, uh, really covers a wide variety of products. So we, we deal in upholstery fabrics, drapery fabrics, trimmings, wall coverings, uh, high end luxury furniture, all, uh, bench made really artisanal. Um, furniture, hmm. carpets, and decorative accessories. Um, we sell also under a brand name called Jofo, which originally is um, a brand with English heritage. Um, and that's a that's a bit higher end uh, decorative prints. Um, and we partner with the likes of Oscar de la Renta and Kelly Wurstler in those in that brand. And then we also sell under a brand name uh, Brunswicky Fee, which is our highest end brand. That's a French uh, infused, really um, archival brand um, where most of the product is informed from a textile archive that's privately held by the family. That oh, wow. The company. Yeah. Wow. And uh, wow, there's, so there's a lot there to sort of unpack. And uh, I appreciate you bringing that experience here to this show. Uh, as an innovation officer... Uh, and, and I guess you have to think about process as well as being the chief process and innovation officer. What, uh, how do you bring innovation to a company that's so historic? You said it's multi-generational, um, hundred years in business. So what kind of innovation is there really to, uh, to achieve at a company like Kravit? Um, well, well, there's a lot and our, our, our industry itself is, is ripe for innovation. Um, the digital, um, revolution, so to speak, of the last few years has really, um, really been incredibly beneficial for our industry because it's brought so much in the way to technology into visualization, um, into building a, a much easier interface for customers, for our customers to work with their suppliers 
uh, streamlining their back office operations, streamlining our own back office operations. I mean, the, the innovations that you see happening in most retail sectors are things that we can also leverage. We, we operate a, a network of showrooms. So while we don't have a retail, you know, traditional point of sale atmosphere, we still have to be very um, focused on customer experience and making sure that we're delivering a relevant customer experience there. So, uh, you know, we, we focus on how we, we bring uh, a digital support to that in-store experience where we would never be, we, I don't think we would be at a place where um, digital becomes the primary interface in an in-store, but it definitely mm. has an incredible supporting role. Uh, that's because we're such a tactile industry. Fabrics of course, and, yeah. and furnishings are such a tactile experience. Um, and, uh, you know, you and I have spoken uh, in the past before about the promises of things like augmented reality and, and VR and uh, 3D visualization, all of those things, the, the power they bring to bear in the retail environment have the same power in our environment as well. How better to take a product that for the longest time is a component and needs manufacturing and can be fairly hard to comprehend from a consumer perspective hmm. uh, to a point of easy visualization um, for our designers. Uh, you know, that's, that's really, I think, where the, the brunt of it uh, comes to bear. So no shortage of innovation in, in the, the near to midterm. Uh, if, if you could, and I, I didn't prep you for this, so I, I totally understand if, you, if going off script is, uh, is tough, but if you could, what, what would an innovation, what would innovation look like, you know, in the last 20 years in your industry? Um, so you're at the precipice of digital innovation, which I think we, the merchants listening to this podcast has some sense of what that might mean. Um, in integrating digital or having a digital strategy in your business. But what has led up to this point? Uh, what kinds of innovations have taken place in your industry over the last couple decades? Um, I, you know, it, 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 it happens on a number of fronts for us. So our traditionally, our industry has been somewhat closed. Um, and because of that, I think a bit, um, laggard in its adoption of new uh, technologies in general, not just digital mm. facing. Mm. Um, and over the last, I'm going to say 10, 15 years or so, you know, the great equalizer that, that has happened has really been uh, twofold. It's, it's the internet and the easy access to product information that that created. Mm. Um, and it's um, the advent of things like HDTV. Uh, which while they don't directly impact my customers, interior designers, what they have done, those two things together have really created a much more educated consumer. Uh, there is a, a whole swath of people now who, um, you know, consume DIY shows on HGTV, understand uh, design at a basic level, hmm. um, are being told at all times that they can do these things uh, themselves uh, and gain access to these things themselves. And really what, what that has made our industry do is one, figure out how to continue to support the, for us, the interior designers are our lifeline. They are the, the, the value-added intermediary. Uh, a consumer cannot walk into my showroom really and shop that we have 60,000 fabrics hanging and 2,500 <laughs> SKUs of furniture and, Understanding how those things relate together and figuring out how they would coordinate in a room design is—it's something that you need training to do. Um, 
So we've really, we've one had to figure out how to, um, we've had to innovate so that we can make the interior designer as efficient as possible. So that they're still bringing value to that consumer who is being told at all times by other channels that they can do these things themselves. Um, and at the same time, we <laughs> to, in the competitive landscape, we have to keep innovating to make sure that our services are as efficient as possible, that we're constantly pushing the envelope on what we can do for our customers um, so that they can focus on bringing that creative creativity to their consumer and not have to worry about the nuts and bolts of, of their business environment. Um, so that means that's, you know, uh, that's innovating, um, how we interact with them, uh, through our call centers, uh, you know, uh, doing online chat and email support, um, getting better in the way we distribute and balance phone volume. We do it. We do a lot in regards to inbound fo- uh, phone support for our customers. Hmm. Um, how we how we sample our product to them uh we've had to really work hard around making sure that we're constantly delivering our product in a way that um our designers can consume it easily understand the brand story uh and the value out of that product and be able to then relay that to their consumers um you know so it, it touches anything from how we pick pack and ship an order to how we um, distribute the brand information around our product and educate the designers so that they can sell it better to their consumer in the end. I, I really, there's not a space in our industry that we haven't had to sit there and think about and rethink about and rethink about again um, and make sure that we're constantly staying ahead of what our consumer needs are. And and that's so, so to, so from my understanding, your customer so you you operate primarily then a, a B2B relationship in that your customer is an educated uh, designer or a purchaser or somebody who understands the product, how to navigate that world and has some sense of what they're looking for. And their customer is uh, is on the other side uh, of the equation in that they're they're the actual recipient of the product that gets selected or purchased at the end of the day. Yeah, probably. I probably should have started there. Huh? We're, we're, no, we're that's B2B. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're B two B only. We don't do any uh, any B two C transactions. Hmm. Uh, and you know, effectively, the way uh, a general transactional chain would work uh, in our industry is, you know, you as a private individual would want to take on a project, either a room, multiple rooms, a whole home, whatever that may be. Uh, you are going to hire an interior designer. That interior designer is going to. Um, Take you know, spend time with you, understand what your uh, predilections are, what your aesthetic um, preferences are, uh, what your vision is for where you would like to live, and then they're going to come to companies like me, and they're going to gather a product that they think builds a scheme around those concepts. Mm. Um, one of the idiosyncrasies of our transactional chain is that. Everything we do starts with sampling. Uh, you're hiring an interior designer not so that they can go to one source and get everything from the one source. The interior designer is going to, you know, expose you to sources in a marketplace that you would not have the ability to shop yourself. So that almost demands that they bring multiple vendors to bear on the project. Um, and what they will do is, you know, most likely come to you with two or three proposals, um, showing you samples of fabrics and of wall coverings and um, printed images of the furniture that they would be proposing and, and physical samples of the carpets. And, uh, so everything we do starts there. We have to have the ability to easily allow a designer to one, 
uh, shop our products. So if they're online, they're in a showroom or they're working out of their own office space with uh, sampling tools that we've delivered to them, they have to be able to quickly understand where that product is going to be in our assortment, understand the value story of that product. You may say, I've got you know, two kids and three pets, and I'm looking for something that's going to withstand a beating over the next few years. So they're going to look for performance related fabrics. You may say, I, I live alone. I really, uh, I love an ultra modern look. Uh, mm. You know, I want it to be sparse. So they're going to be looking for, you know, higher end, very modern types of materials. They have to be able to quickly diagnose wherever they are in their relationship with me, where are they going to find those things? Because uh, time is of the essence for them all the time. And then, when they make that proposal to you, you know, you, you may, you're going to choose one of those proposals, not all three. So, you know, our, our funnel narrows at that point, they may choose a number of samples. They're going to act on purchasing some of those samples. Um, and, and our job is to make sure that all of those steps in that process are as efficient for them as possible. It's as easy for them to get their hands on the samples, uh, get approval of those samples, initiate that order, and then they make sure that they don't have to do too much to manage the delivery of that order after the fact. And you have so so if if you're listening to the show and and you have primarily a, a direct consumer uh, a retail play, uh, you you probably deal with the challenge every day of trying to educate your consumer, whereas. Uh, Kravit has uh, the opposite challenge. We have an incredibly opinionated and very educated consumer, which is an, you know, another business or, or, or a designer, some sort of entity that's acting on someone else's behalf. And they have to navigate an incredible catalog uh, of basically endless choice and variety. Um, and, and so I think it, digital notwithstanding, uh, I, I, you have an incredible challenge as a business uh, across the board, just even from a showroom perspective, uh, in that you have to have not just educated sales staff, uh, uh, to help them guide, uh, around and understand and find enable product discovery, but you have, you, you're dealing with an incredibly opinionated and educated consumer as well. Uh, that's yeah, it. Yeah. The problem space is, is very, is very, uh, is deep. It is. And, and at our end of the industry, um, you, you know, we are, we are a high end luxury good. Um, if you look at our furniture, it's not the same as if you went to what would be termed a higher end retail, um, supplier of furniture, the, the possibilities are really endless. You know, we are an incredibly custom and high touch environment. Um, so there is a lot of education and knowledge that, um, has to be delivered. Uh, content is as important as functionality in our environment to mm. make sure that we're telling the, not just the brand story, but the, the value story of those goods. What does it mean for that piece of furniture to be bench made to be that, that there it's made in the U S that there are artisans working on it, that it's not an automated process, that there's a real level of quality that's brought to those pieces. That, that that's a constant educational effort on our part to tell those types of stories. And do you feel like that's a, a story that is is retold uh, sort of naturally in your direct sales process when you're in person, and then you, it's a challenge to overcome when you're approaching digital? Um, you know, I think it's this is going to sound probably odd, but it's a little easier to do digitally hmm. um, because I always have the ability when I'm showing that product to deliver content along with that product to explain um, 
who that item is, what, what, what their, what their DNA is and what builds them. Whereas in the individual sales environment, a lot of times I'm in, uh, you know, what you would term a silent salesman scenario where, Hmm. um, you know, they may not be in my showroom. They may not be working with a sales, uh, representative from my company. They, they may be in their own office with the only thing they have to hand are the books of fabric samples I've delivered to them, the catalog of furniture I've delivered to them. And I'm relying on the fact that I've adequately told that story enough times that they understand it when they're in their own space. Well, that's interesting. That's so interesting that you, so, uh, again, one of those, uh, I think that it's, it's a challenge that other people are trying to overcome in other spaces is telling the brand story. Uh, they, they tend to take it for granted. Um, where, and you know, so it's, it's them not understanding their customer, whereas your customer, uh, has sort of an innate understanding of who you are and you, you can do a better job of telling that story on digital. That's, that's really impressive. Um, so tell me a little bit about the digital strategy and, and sort of the innovation. What, what led you to, uh, want to undertake some sort of digital transformation in, in Kravit? Uh, uh, you know, I have the amazing benefit of the uh, Kravit has uh, always prided themselves on trying to stay out in front of the curve. So uh, I'm I'm in this position for probably about two years with the company. I've been with the company for 18 years I've, uh, in various um, positions. I've, I've been in this specific one for about two years, um, but it is it is and it's in the DNA of the company to constantly be thinking about what's next, what we could do, how do we stay ahead? How do we keep evolving? Um, so we, we were in e-commerce 16, 17 years ago. Um, Mm. our, our IT team did a, I think a phenomenal job of building a, uh, a, a, what I would call a B2B portal that had delivered, uh, incredible functionality to our designers. Um, and all of the things that they may be calling my my contact centers to to take care of or dealing with a local showroom to do, they they effectually could do online. Um, what what we what we've just realized is 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 the demographics are changing around us, so to speak. Meaning that uh, you know I, I would assume, like any industry, our customers now are if they're not majority, they are then rapidly becoming a majority digitally native. Um, they have an expectation of how e-commerce should work. They have an expectation of how product discovery should work. And we, we saw the need to, again, be ahead of that trail if we could, um, and start to really, we, you know, we, we constantly put customer feedback first. We want to we want to make sure we're not making decisions based on what we think is happening, but we stay as close to the pulse of our customer as we can. Um, and and then we try to develop tools that will help them in those processes. So we've recent re, recently relaunched our websites. Um, and in doing that, tried to create as much of a blended content and functionality experience as we could because, you know, we... we we believe that's where our customers are going. They want to consume that both at the same time and they need to consume that both at the same time. We've gotten into certain technologies where we think uh, maybe not immediately, but in the short term, it'll make product discovery easier, things like visual search. Mm. Um, and uh, because because we see mobile transactions increasing because you can't walk into a showroom without seeing 
a majority of the designers with their phone in their hand. Oh, for sure. Uh, right. Uh, so, so while they may not be crying out for the need to do visual search now, they are, uh, rapidly becoming, um, very adapted to the way Pinterest works and the tools Pinterest offers. So for us, you know, having them be able to take a, f- a photo and search our product categories from that image, um, we thought was something that we could get ahead of and, and we've had good reception of that. So, so that's, we, there are a number of things that we look at that we just say, okay, we see their, we see their expectations changing of just how they need to work with a brand. And a lot of that is informed by their own consumer experience of how they work with brands in general, not just on, in the professional front. Um, so, you know, we lay out our strategy based on that. How do we, how do we meld that together? How do we become what I would call effectually a prosumer environment so that mm-hmm. we're delivering something like a retail experience online, but we're doing it in a, in a B2B with that core B2B functionality that you need. podcast is brought to you by Something Digital. Something Digital is a full-service e-commerce agency specializing in strategy, design, digital marketing, and more. Something Digital has award-winning creative design and world-class engineers that can deliver any size project from concept to launch. Something Digital is a Magento Enterprise and Shopify Plus partner. Put your e-commerce site to work with Something Digital. Check them out today at somethingdigital.com slash podcast. So it, this is something that comes up on this show from time to time and, and some other podcast properties that, you know, I'm part of where we're saying that the the consumer demand uh, is being set by their good experiences with brands like Amazon and Pinterest um, and even Snapchat and some other some other types of engagement that they're having. That's not just commerce focused. It's mm. it's experiential in that they want the the functionality that they get from a Pinterest in their commerce platforms or in their commerce contexts. So do you feel like this is, uh, as you said, you're, you're starting to engage, um, your, your customer is becoming, uh, closer and closer to digital native. Do you feel like, uh, do you feel like that, that that's creating a demand on you and your industry, uh, that you're meeting, or do you feel like you're, you're having to push to stay ahead of, uh, their expectations? Um, well, that's kind of a loaded question. I mean, I like to think that we're, I like to think that we're, we're meeting those expectations. Uh, and mm. we, we, tr- as I said, we try to do as much research as we can with our customers to, to verify that. Um, but I think one, I don't think meeting expectations is ever enough. Um, and those expectations are constantly evolving. So there's really no, no time to sit back and say, okay, well, that's, that's good. This platform is done. It's, it's, it's in stasis. We, we, we satisfied people, right? We constantly have to be looking yeah. at it and say, okay, well, what, what's happening next? And, yeah. and that, that affects everything from the platform that we put out to the very granular taxonomy that we use around products. You know, we need to make sure that the way uh, I used performance as a term before. Um, performance in our industry tends to mean product that not only will withstand a a, a beating or a, a, you know have a high durability over a time period, but will also 
be resistant to stains and, uh, you know, um, and to moisture and have some kind of flame retardancy to it. And it, it involves a lot of things. But two years ago, performance was not something that was on the tip of everybody's tongue in our industry. It, it, it really became a, a, a driving force over the last couple of years. So we have to be able to rapidly pivot and make product that fits that category easy to discover. Um, whereas that wouldn't have been key in our taxonomy a short time ago. And that, that kind of thing is happening all the time. So I, I could tell you right now, I think we're meeting our customers' needs, but those needs are going to change within the next five minutes. And I have to hmm. continue to see where they're going and continue to evolve uh, what we do to make sure that we stay, stay with them. We keep pace with them. That's uh yeah. So yeah, it was kind of a loaded question. I think that that's, uh, I think that's what's really key here is that uh, uh, when you're, I, I think you, you're, you're, you're right in that when you're meeting an expectation uh, and you're not trying to exceed the expectation or anticipate to where, uh, what, what the next need of your customer is going to be, uh, you, you're always trying to catch up. And I think a constant um, attitude of innovation is what's required today in, in 2018, a constant attitude of uh, uh, improvement and constant investment in that channel, uh, in digital, in, uh, in, in really in, in a full, the full customer experience, uh, whether it's online or offline, uh, a continued investment in that. And it's not just a program or a single time effort, but as, uh, you know, or, or one project, but as a program that it's a, a, a lasting effort. Um, so that your needs uh, as a business can uh, digital is satisfying both your needs and your customers' needs. I think that's the key takeaway. Let, let's talk a little bit about this particular project that you recently just launched uh, across many brands. I'm curious what your process was uh, and where you decided that it was time to uh, to sort of move away from the uh, you know the the previous generation of e-commerce that you were on and when you decided that you needed to look for another platform? Um, that, the, the, the genesis of that project probably a good four or five years ago, to be honest with you. Um, what we, what we saw was that the, um, and it was, it was a very, I should say it was a very hard decision for us um, because that even though that platform, as I said, was, you know, uh, 16, 17 years old, um, it was one that we constantly received feedback from our customers was, uh, one of their best experiences in our industry. Um, so, you know, what we were looking at was a, a system that was designed in house, um, was, designed in a way that uh, newer technologies and abilities that were coming down the pipe were something that weren't going to be easy for us to leverage. Um, possibly long-term maintenance of it would become a challenge because of it being completely custom coded. Um, and, you know, just knowing the path that we wanted to go in um, with some tools that we wanted to put out and some ways that we wanted to be able to extend our outreach to our customers. Uh, we realized that uh, we would be better off if we could take that same functionality set that we had developed and get it into a platform where we would be able to benefit from 
a community of development around it and not just what our small team could do internally. Um, mm. So we, we laid out a, a multi-year plan to, to, to achieve that. And that, that plan, uh, you know, had, had a couple of different aspects to it. One was finding that kind of platform and um, testing it, test. We could achieve what we wanted to, and that we would be able to deliver the, the B2B experience because no matter what, you know, a, a lot of the e-commerce platforms that are out there will will tell you that a B2B functionality set is, you know, very similar to B2C. And, and in many ways, it's not. There's a there's still a need while there is a need for content delivery and there is a need for, a, uh, you know, a, a slick product discovery functionality. There's also a need to get in and quickly execute a purchase order. Uh, and hmm. not go through a function of product discovery to do it. I, you know, as I said, my my transactional chain starts from samples being placed and narrows down. To... They know the items place, so they don't necessarily need to go through a whole product discovery process again. They just need to get in and quickly place it. Um, so, so it was, you know, okay, let's let's look a couple of platforms. Let's find one that we think is going to fit the needs, and then let's test that in an environment where we'll have live business happening and we'll be able to verify it with our customer base, but we're not impacting the, the, the greater business as a whole. Um, and then while we were doing that, we were doing a lot of focus research with our customers. What did they like about the current experience? Uh, was there things that we weren't doing that they were looking for? You know, what, what other sites were they using that they really liked and what was it about them specifically that they found compelling gathering all of that information so that when we were ready to make that development jump, um, we were able to take our customer point of view, inform it, bring that functionality over that we needed to and, and deliver it as a whole. Mm. And that was, you know, that, that was a, that was a couple of year process. Um, and it had some starts and stops. We had to do some, some gut checks along the way to make sure that we were, we were delivering correctly. Um, we, I think one of the things about having, uh, you know, a true, um, innovation practice of any kind is that you really have to have a tolerance for failure. You have to have a tolerance for risk and failure. Um, and, you know, and be able to sit down and quickly diagnose if what you did was right, if what you're doing was wrong, if it was wrong, close it down, move on, uh, you know, learn and, and deploy again. Uh, and we followed that kind of process through and through before we got to our relaunch of the websites this February. And and so as an innovation officer, how do you, um, is that a directive that you think that, that sort of extends across the uh, entire uh, business or is that something you feel like you've had to instill as sort of the uh, not all, not everything we do uh, is in its final form and its final, you know, final delivery and the day it launches that it's a constant innovation is a, is a, is active tense, right? We're constantly innovating. Do you, mm -hmm. do you feel like that that's just akin to the industry uh, and, and the type of business that you're in is that nothing's ever quite done that you're, you're kind of constantly evolving? Um, you know, again, I think I benefit uh, the, the, the company that I work for uh, has that as an ingrained mindset. There's, there's not really a sacred cow. Uh, everything can be looked at and, and questions, you know, we, we like to joke around you, the, the, the most evil words that you can hear in a meeting is, you know, because that's the way it's always been done. That's, that's not, it's not a justification for anything. So, um, it, that all that being said, uh, you know, there, there still is a desire to say, okay, if we're going to, if we're going to allocate budgets that we are, we're, you know, we're, we're not, 
you know, a, a, a fortune 100 company here, right? We, we, right. we have to be smart about the way we, we allocate budget and, and the way we do that. So we, we do have hard conversations around, you know, this, it is going to cost X and, and there is a chance that adoption will not happen or that this will occur, or these are the gaps that we see. And we try to have some very rational conversations around uh, what that means. And there are some things that we pitch that we'd like to try that we don't do because we just don't think it's going to make financial sense in the end. And there are other things that, that we, we do and uh, because we think the risk is worth taking. Um, but that attitude is there. It's not something that I had to create by any means. I, 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 I work in an environment that I think really is supportive of that kind of attitude. So, so let's, uh, that's fantastic. Let's kind of, uh, pivot just a a bit to talk about sort of what's next. You're, you, you've, you've relaunched, uh, your, your e-commerce onto, uh, a new platform, uh, you know, you're sort of at launch day. Uh, how do you continue that spirit of innovation? Is there something else that you start to look at as uh, an area that's ripe for sort of disruption in your industry? Um, tell me, tell me about what you think the the next year or two or three might bring you. Um, yeah, we have to we have to work in a couple of different phases. Uh, so we're we're post go live on that site, and that means. To me, one, we went live with a number of things that we knew we were going to do post-launch because uh, you just you can't account you can't bring everything under uh, the umbrella, so to speak, day one. Um, so we're working through that schedule, but at the same time, again, because I believe in in um, being as close to our customer as possible, we're constantly gathering their feedback and understanding ways that we need to evolve that that ex- to to better meet their needs or to extend functionality perhaps that we didn't even uh, consider planning. So we've built those types of things into our plans. Um, And while that is going on, we are also then looking at, well, what new technologies are hitting that will really impact our, our, our core customers and, and how do we leverage those things? And to me, uh, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, we have to be seriously considering at all times is where augmented reality is going. Hmm. Um, so I, we're, 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 I, I believe rapidly getting to a point where, um, now it's not enough, I think for a designer to be able to sit and show a picture of that furniture frame, uh, to their client, if they could actually show them the scale and, the true depth and nature of that piece in their own space that becomes a much more supportive selling tool than what we were doing previously. Um, so we're, we're, we're looking at that and we're understanding how we incorporate that into what we do. Um, I think visual presentation online becomes a, a much more pertinent thing for us again, especially in finished goods. So uh, where we can leverage the, the, the work that's necessary to get into fields like augmented reality, um, specifically 3d modeling, you know, we, we need to purpose that in as many ways as we can. So we'll start to get much more into a more dynamic visualization of product on our websites, um, using that. Um, and then I think, you know, in a completely different atmosphere, um, one of the things that our customers are fantastic at, I think, is is social media. Our, our designers have really hmm. leveraged social media to to 
um, spread their own brand and and feature their own portfolio of work. And we need to look at ways that we can support them in that and incorporate the content that they produce um, into our own branding strategy so that we are we are taking the designers who are using our product best and we're talking about those designers using their own content uh, because that's a powerful branding message, I think, at any one time. And that's also a powerful, supportive message of your customer. And, and it being a content, a sort of content and commerce uh, first uh, approach, that's sort of at the heart of everything that you do. And technology supports that uh, from product discovery through visualization. It's, it's all about the trying to replicate the kind of experience that you might have in person and telling stories around that. Um, any, any, any last thoughts uh, that you might have? Uh, any any sort of uh, takeaways or advice that you might be able to give to somebody who's embarking on their own digital transformation story? Um, I'll, do, uh, I'll go back to, um, I think, really understanding your customers' needs as closely as possible. I'm an I'm a, I'm a analytics guy, and I, I believe in first-point feedback as much as possible. And I think anytime you're trying to form a plan or a strategy around that, uh, you really have to make a strong effort to avoid not just the ivory tower concept of, of sitting in a, in a meeting room and talking about what you think is going to happen, but also the evils of the anecdote. It's very easy to, to listen to the next layer of personnel that you have that may be close to your customers and, and listen to their stories. It's hard to figure out if those stories are extrapolated from a singular experience or if they're actually um, really representative of a general mindset. So you know, uh, to me, it's always important to have some kind of mechanism in place to be able to, to gather feedback directly from from your users as much as possible and use that to inform decisions, not not to solely make decisions, but to inform the decision process. Well, that's that's a great final uh, piece of advice. Uh, where can people find uh, you or find Kravit online? Uh, Kravit.com is our main website. Um, I stay hidden in the shadows. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, as a, as a, we, we tend not necessarily to promote our, ourselves. Um, but the, uh, we're at Kravit.com. We're also at curatedkravit.com, which is the first site that we launched in our digital, um, transformation process. Uh, the site where we tested our, our theories and such. Mm. Um, and that was a, that was one of our few, first pure play e-commerce experiences. So we're, we're quite proud of that as well. Um, and those sites I think would really help people understand who we are as a company. Oh, very good. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Jesse Lazarus, Chief Process and Innovation Officer at Kravit. And uh, we want to hear your voice. We want to hear about your digital transformation stories. And you can uh, lend your voice to this story over at podcast.somethingdigital.com. Make sure you like and subscribe anywhere where podcasts are found. Uh, we're on Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. And from any smart speaker device, you can listen at any time by saying uh, play I have to I have to get this right now because I get this wrong every single time. <laughs> Play Merchant to Merchant podcast. Um, well, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, Jesse. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.